You're listening to Halford and Bruff. This morning, I congratulate Patrick on his new extension, and then he said he wanted to get this thing done today. Lindoma shot, and he scores! Just like that! As we've shown, and Jim has shown in the history, uh, we're, we're not going to just sit and wait. Snaffleupagus? No, I'm not feeling that. I don't need that right now. I'm a roll with Elmo. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Jason Halford. sounds a little different today. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. It is hour one of the program. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Good morning. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by over five or by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. boy. Got a big show on a Thursday. Folks, it has happened. The Canucks have gone big game hunting, and they have landed one of the biggest targets at this year's NHL trade deadline, way ahead of the trade deadline. But most importantly, Jason... They have saved us from starting the show with an encapsulating recap of the Sharks and Ducks game from last night. So kudos to you, Patrick Alvin. You are the gift that keeps on giving. Got a big show ahead. As far as the guest list goes, uh, it begins at 7 o'clock. Uh, Patrick Burke is going to join us from the National Hockey League. Now, his job title is VP of Player Safety. But we're bringing him on because Patrick's other job is to oversee all, quote-unquote, hockey-specific aspects of the NHL skills competition, Jason. You know, I was looking at the details for the NHL uh, skills competition and seeing, first of all, seeing uh, a bunch of Canucks that are going to participate in this, including Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes. Mm -hmm. I am kind of interested in the skills competition because it is streamlined. I think that's probably... The best way to put it, there doesn't seem to be as much gimmicky, weird stuff. Fluff, like if you will. Dunk tanks. It's just, you know, NHL faster skaters, um, you know, harder shot, stick handling. And it's not, it's not like you have to, I think the whole point of it is you want the real superstars to be participating in this stuff. Yeah, right? so we'll talk like, to Pat. Like, like, for example, um, uh, the, the fastest skater is McDavid, William Nylander, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Matthew Barzell. Mm-hmm. 
They yeah, got it, I, I want to see that competition. I think they got it right. We'll talk to Patrick Burke about the revamp of the skills competition. Also, the role that Connor McDavid played in said revamp. That's coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, 7.30, Paul Grant is going to join the program. He is a senior editor for Sportsnet.ca. Uh, he has been working extensively reporting out uh, the 2018 Canadian Junior Team and the fallout that happened this past week. So we'll talk to Paul Grant about that at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, fear not, we do have someone on the show to talk about the big Elias Lindholm trade. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk will break everything down. It was a big trade. The uh, Dunbar Lumber text message in basket is loaded, loaded with text. People are excited. They want to hear about it. I don't blame them. So without further ado, I won't even run through the guest list again. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I was going to make a joke that we were going to start with Lewis Hamilton's move to Ferrari, but I won't even put you folks through the quote-unquote joke. Let's just get right into it. The Vancouver Canucks make a huge splash. Not just ahead of the trade deadline, everybody, but ahead of the NHL All-Star Game. The details are as follows. To Vancouver, welcome Elias Lindholm. The former Calgary Flame, now a member of the Vancouver Canucks, means the Vancouver Canucks have yet another All-Star at the All-Star Game in Toronto. To Calgary, the package includes Andre Kuzmenko, fare thee well, sweet prince. Prospects Hunter Brusewicz and Yoni Yermo, a 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. The condition on that pick, if the Canucks make it to the Western Conference Final this year, that gets upgraded to a third-round pick for Craig Conroy. Not Yermo. Not Yermo. They got rid of Yermo? Uh, Brusewicz, as everybody knows, was a third-round pick in this year's draft and has had a tremendous year in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Yermo was also a third-round pick many years ago. Everybody knows the story about Kuzmenko, so I don't need to relitigate that. Kuzmenko did need to waive his no-trade clause because Calgary was originally on the ant list, but he decided, you know what, after speaking with my agent, Dan Milstein, and realizing that things aren't going to get any better in Vancouver, he accepted a move to Calgary. Finally, no salary retention anywhere. It's all systems go. The trade is in the books. I am excited. Okay, uh, I'm just going to go around the room here, and you say yes or no Okay, whether you like the trade for the Canucks. Halford? Yes, 100%. Love it. Okay, just a, just just say yes or no. Love but it. Basketball, Ben? I thought we were only doing one word. Just one word, yeah. Halford. Yes. Okay, good. We. Uh, uh, oui. Okay, uh, Laddie went with the French version of yes, and I, too, will say yes. I like this trade for the Canucks. Uh, so let's run through a bunch of questions that you might have about this. What are the Canucks getting in Elias Lindholm? Uh, Patrick Galvin, here's the quote. Uh, we feel that he vastly improves our hockey team. He is a proven frontline performer and will give head coach t- uh, Rick Tockett some more options when putting together our top two lines. Um, yeah, this basically gives Tockett the option to load up the lotto line if he wants to, and he can have Lindholm as the 2C, or he can push Lindholm to the wing to play with Petey, or even push Petey to the wing to play with Lindholm. So many options. Um, plus, I would say it provides some nice insurance against an injury to any of the Canucks centers. 
Um, he's also a right shot center, uh, which they don't really have because they haven't used Sam Lafferty as a center much. Uh, he's a right shot center that wins draws. Uh, and Lafferty, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but he wasn't winning a lot of draws. Um, Lindholm plays on the power play. Pew Suter might be upset to see L- Leas Lindholm come in because I think he might have lost his power play spot. That's a good point. Um, and they can use Lindholm on the PK as well. This is a guy that a couple of years ago finished second in the Selkie voting to Patrice Bergeron. So he is a two-way center. Mm-hmm. This, there's no concerns about his defensive play. This season, there might be a little concern about his offensive play, but we'll get into that a little later. Thomas Drance, who we will have on a little later in the show, um, wrote, it's hard to imagine a better fit for Vancouver than Lindholm. Uh, for more on this, let's go now to NHL Network's Mike Kelly, who we had on the show on a number of times. Uh, further details, further depth, further sinking our teeth into exactly what Elias Lindholm brings to the Vancouver Canucks. Here's Mike Kelly in the aftermath of yesterday's trade on what the Canucks are getting in Lindholm. You know, and Elias Lindholm, what he brings to now the Vancouver Canucks is to me significant. And and this is a player who's had a bit of a downward trend the last couple of years. You take a look at his three-year weighted average, and this is how I evaluate players with a larger sample size. His percentile ranks among forwards in the league. Shooting, playmaking, defense, he's a very good defensive center. Uh, and he's an all-manpower, all-situations guy. He win face-offs. He literally can do anything. The people in the league have referred to him as the fixer because you can put him with guys and he'll get their game going. Um, he can play with just about anybody. So this gives Vancouver great options in their top six, whether you want to load up the lotto line and have Lindholm as your second-line center. I like the idea of taking their big four now at forward and doing two pairs, but they've got options. And some people are down on Lindholm right now. I'm telling you this, as a person, as a player, I think Elias Lindholm is fantastic and is going to be fantastic with the Vancouver Canucks and exactly the kind of guy you want if you're a contending team and a playoff team. I'm a believer Lindholm bounces back and provides great value to Vancouver. I like that nickname, the fixer. Yeah. and, and That's I, cool. I, like, I woke up and there's a body in the room. Lindholm's like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Go get some bleach. Uh, I think the... I think the big thing here is the versatility that right now, and it's it, this speaks in t- two ways, really. Like Lindholm's a versatile player. Like you mentioned, he's the fixer. He can play with a lot of different guys. You can bump him out to the wing. You can play him down the middle. But it gives Rick Tockett a lot of versatility. And what he's saying about the pairs, what Mike Kelly's saying about the pairs, is I think is very important here. Mm-hmm. Because, look, in a playoff series, when you're going up against the same matchups night after night after night, it is a nice option to be able to throw different looks at your opposition, especially when you've got last change, right? And now you're talking about it. I mean, that's... Or especially when you don't, actually. You yeah, know, like, either or, right? Not, I mean, take your, take your pick. You don't, you you don't make, get pigeonholed. Yeah, I th- and then um, I think the most obvious one here is look at the depth down the middle now when you're talking about what the Canucks could conceivably roll out for their mm-hmm. top three centers, right? Now, people have pointed out uh, that the Canucks have had depth down the middle like this when they had Horvat because they had Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat. I like Lindholm defensively a fair amount better than I liked Horvat defensively. I think Horvat had more offense 
and has shown more offense, although Lindholm had a really good season a couple of years ago when he played with Kachuk and Goudreau. Yep. So I think if you put him with a guy like Pedersen, hopefully, hopefully the, there's more offense. But I think Elias Lindholm defensively probably has better instincts than Horvat did. And also, it's a little bit unfair to Horvat. Well, I don't know if it's unfair to Horvat, but the advantage the Canucks have with Lindholm is that they now have a bottom six. Okay, before we continue on what the Canucks are getting here, we should talk about what's going out. How much did the Vancouver Canucks give up here? Are we all comfortable with the price paid? Uh, and are we going to miss Andre Kuzmenko? Maybe not necessarily for the on-ice stuff, but so, so, for his personality and his stair-running ability. Well, I mean, I see every piece that the Canucks gave up as a bit of a wild card. Um, we've all seen what Kuzmenko can do. He scored 39 goals last season, but can he play a winning brand of hockey? Clearly, he didn't fit with Tockett's system. Yeah. They worked hard with him. This isn't something that they wanted to do. It wasn't the plan at the beginning of the season to trade Andre Kuzmenko for what could end up being a rental. Uh, we'll talk about that later, by the way, too. Sure. Um, so Kuzmenko, I see as a bit of a wild card. I could see him bouncing back and scoring a bunch of goals. I could also see him frustrating other coaches in the NHL. Um, a late first round pick is, and hopefully it's a late first round pick. It could be 32nd overall at this point. Well, yeah, it could be. Dare, yeah. to, dare to dream, folks. Um, it's a lot different than a top 10 or a top 15 pick. So keep winning, boys, including in the playoffs. Um, so that could be anything. Um, they might the, the Flames might make a good pick. They might make a bad pick. Who knows on that? That's a wild card. We all know it is. Uh, Bruskevich um, is having an incredible season in the OHL. Um, but here's the thing. For Vancouver, I feel like this is a guy that might have ended up in a similar situation to Jack Rathbone, i.e. he's blocked out by Quinn Hughes to make the best use of his talents. Like you look at you look at his numbers in the OHL, you're like, wow, what a great offensive defenseman. What would he be with the Canucks? Like what what is he gonna like Quinn? I've got the power play from here. Yeah. Don't worry about it, right? So, look, I'm not saying uh, I, I, like I think he was he was a really smart player for the Flames to target. You sure. know, like get a guy that might be redundant a little bit in the Canucks system. Um, Yermo is a big dude who skates pretty well. I'm not sure he's dynamic enough to play in the NHL, um, and I'm not sure he was long for the Canucks organization anyway. Um, and there's also a conditional fourth round pick in there. So, you know, in, in terms of where I value the pieces, I mean, if Kuzmenko bounces back, that's good for Calgary. If they make a good pick in the first round, that's good for Calgary. And if they have a role and Bruskevich turns into a player, that's good for Calgary. But I think what Lindholm brings to the Canucks in this very special season for me that's just a worthwhile gamble. I think that the biggest story of the outgoing package is what wasn't included in it. To me, that was the big thing. That's a good point. They didn't give up Lecker or Mackey. They didn't give up Willander or Vlander. 
Uh, they didn't give up anyone from the roster in AHL Abbotsford. And the only no reason Pod Coles and no Ratu. And the only reason I bring that up is because those guys are closer to the National Hockey League than Bruce David. No Holglander. And they didn't take anyone off the active roster aside from Kuzmenko. And you could argue that when they're at their best, Kuzmenko might not have been on the active roster anyway because he'd been a healthy scratch so many times this season. Not giving up Hoaglander was a big deal as well. So, you know, I saw a couple people say, Craig Conroy might have erred in his judgment going with quantity over quality in terms of the return because the sticker price, I think you look at it and you're like, wow, look at all these assets they got for one player. Mm -hmm. But you start to really dive into those assets and you say, well, from the pool in which they were drawn, you definitely didn't get the best assets. That was my initial take. Now, is it a bit of a homer take because we're on your home at Canucks Sportsnet 650? Maybe. But I also like to think that I look at this stuff, stuff objectively. And to me, if I'm Calgary today, I'm saying we got a lot of pieces in return for Lindholm. I'm not super enamored with the pieces that we got. I think he did pretty well. You know, I think he got a good young defensive prospect in uh, Bruskevich. Uh, the first round pick is the first round pick, and Kuzmenko, they need goal scoring in Calgary, and he's going to be put in a position where he's going to get a lot more opportunity he than he did in Vancouver because they need goal scoring, and you never know they might be able to. Let's say he he bounces back and he's like forget this season. Let's say he comes back next season and he's scoring at a good rate. Even if they don't want to keep him, they could flip him at the deadline for mm-hmm. something. So I I I think Craig Conroy did okay. Um I just want to jump in here real quick. I wanted to go off on a tangent there. We're got a million questions we're going to answer here. Uh we're going to spend the entire first hour talking about this trade, right? I mean, we've got yeah. a lot of notes and a lot of things we want to get into. Go off on your tangent. I did find about a minute 15 clip of Craig Conroy talking about how this trade came to fruition. Sure. And I thought that was important because Patrick Alvin yesterday what was celebrating his new contract extension and a funny anecdote, uh Fan 590 in Toronto got a hold of me yesterday and they're like, "Hey, can you come on the show uh, right at the end of our show, Kipper and Bourne, to talk about the trade or talk about the, the Alvin extension? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll do it 100%. Then they got back to me about an hour later and they're like, we're bumping you because we got Patrick Alvin. And then he didn't appear on the show. I don't and then think. he bailed on the show. I think he was like asleep in his office or something like I that. Think he, he had was a con- long day. I believe he was conducting the trade at that point. I think he was asleep in his office. Or he was asleep. Who knows? Who's yeah. to say? Because he's not talking. But. Craig Conroy went on very late last night on Fan Five Nine or Fan Nine Sixty in Calgary, and re- you know it was funny because we talk about Patrick Alvi being Johnny Tightlips and maybe not giving the the media a lot. Craig Conroy broke this thing down um, in really fine detail about how the deal came to fruition and how aggressive the Canucks got. There are certain hallmarks here of a Jim Rutherford aggressive early shopping campaign. I'll just let the audio speak for itself. So this is Flames GM Craig Conroy talking about how aggressive Vancouver became over the last 48 hours prior to making this deal and how he realized that this was the best deal that he was going to get for Liz Lindholm. Here's Craig Conroy yesterday on Sportsnet in Calgary. Yeah, you know, I kind of explained to most teams what I was looking for. I explained to all the teams that I talked to uh, what I was looking for for Lindholm. And I think when we started, you know, teams came back and they had, you know, in the general range of what I was looking for, very, you know, everybody was given fair offers. And I thought all of a sudden Vancouver became a a way more aggressive, probably uh, two days ago. So I circled back to all the teams that expressed interest, which was, you know, there was numerous teams that had interests. Obviously Lindholm's a great player. So, 
you know, I went back and tried to get the best offers from each, each team. And I, you know, went back to Vancouver and we arm wrestled a little bit more over, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit more and, and they're going back and forth. So, you know, I think today we kind of came out of it saying, okay, they early this morning, I congratulate Patrick on his new extension. And then he said he wanted to get this thing done today. So he, we, he came with his best offer. I maybe asked for a little bit more back. He added one little piece, the, the condition that if they go to the Western conference final, then I'll get uh, instead of the fourth, I'd get a third. So this year, so that's a little bit, you know, that's kind of the final touches. And he said, I'll get back to you. And, you know, we went back and forth a little bit more. I talked to a couple other teams and, you know, again, those teams made very good offers, but, but not quite uh, to the level of, of Vancouver's. So I know a lot of people have, a question about Lindholm's future in Vancouver, sure. i.e., how long will it be? Will Lindholm just be a rental? Now, I've been told that the Canucks are fine if he's just a rental. Like it doesn't if if he if they if they lose him to free agency um, this summer, it's not a lot. Like they're not they're not one hundred percent set on re-signing this sure, guy. Sure, um, And when you ask the question, will they re-sign him? Well, it depends a lot on, I mean, three pretty big reasons. Number one, how he plays for the Canucks. Number two, how much he wants in terms of money and years. And three, um, this might be the juiciest reason, and I don't even know how much of a factor it would play, whether Petey re-signs with the Canucks this offseason. I think they're all very important yeah. aspects to this, right? Now, maybe not one supersedes the other, but they're all very important. Um, the first one that you were talking about is how he fits in with the Canucks. This is why you go shopping early. This is why Jim Rutherford has traditionally done the things that he's done, not necessarily to give a guy a large runway or an audition for a contract extension, mm -hmm. but because it doesn't put the pressure on you for immediate results and immediate chemistry. The Canucks have 49 games played going in to the All-Star break. That means they have uh, 33 left in the regular season for Lindholm to figure out who he might play with, who he clicks with, or more importantly, who he doesn't necessarily jive with because that's mm -hmm. important too. You want to get all that stuff out of the way. And, and learning the system too. 100%. These are all things that um, you've given yourself more runway with. And I, and I love that for the Vancouver Canucks. And I love it that it's, you know, we, all, we said going into this that Rutherford had a blueprint and he liked doing his shopping early and it just stuck to it yet again and ticked another box as they move forward. So Lindholm was not having the best season and he's close to 30 years old. I think he turned 29 in December. Um, but this is also a guy who finished, as I mentioned earlier, second to Patrice Bergeron in the Selkie race a couple of years ago when he centered Kachuk and Gaudreau. And isn't it crazy that all three of those guys are gone from Calgary now? I know. Just I, like they're gone. That, that, that entire line, which... It was not that long ago that I was probably the best scoring line in hockey. All it's gone all from gone. Calgary. All um, gone. He spent time with good, but not as good players this season, with all due respect to Sharon Govich, who's been a nice pickup for Calgary from New Jersey, and Mangiapane. They're both good players, but now he's going to get a chance to play with the likes of an Elias Pettersson. Um, so just a few more questions, because I want on the other side, I want to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line and answer a bunch of your 
questions and comments. Um, what is the Canucks cap space situation now? They actually save some in this move because Lindholm's cap hit is a little bit like 600000 less than Kuzmenko's, but they still don't have much. They've got around, if you're including LTIR, I saw somewhere, they've got around $2 million. So can they still go out and get Chris Tanev, who was reportedly part of these trade talks? And the way some of the reports were made, it sounded like Tanev was like desperately trying to get into this trade. It was like, can I come? Can I come too? Can I come too? Uh, so can they still go out and get Tanev? Um, yep. And Dolly Wall expects them to try and go and get Tanev, but not unless they shed some salary, which is why Zadorov's name has been bandied about. Now, the Flames could theoretically retain on Tanev's contract, but... The Canucks would have to pay for that pleasure, mm-hmm. and they probably prefer uh, not to have to give up anything more than they needed to. And they still couldn't afford Tanev right now, even if the Flames retained 50%. So, you know, I know one of the questions that I've already seen in the Dunbar Lumber text line is what else do the Canucks have to sell? Um, I think their top two prospects are safe in Lekarmaki and Willander. I don't think they're giving up either of those guys for Chris Tanev. No. Um, especially with their defense not being... Like, I don't consider their defense right now to be a glaring issue. I consider it to be one of those things where if they can upgrade, it would be nice if they could upgrade. Th- there was a glaring hole, I think, in the top six. Yep. They needed another player. Because if you're thinking in pairs and hopefully... The two Eliases or Eliases or however we're going to decide to tell their say their names fit together. Pedersen and Lindholm because we know Miller and Besser can be together. Um, you know, Suter could play with either of those pairs, and there's still Mikheyev. Maybe the Canucks go out and get another winger. Who knows? But I think Lekaramaki and Vlander are safe in any Kristanov trade. Um, but they still have guys like Podkolzin and Ratu who might be attractive to a retooling team like Calgary. I actually heard from a source who thought Ratu was going to be part of a deal yesterday, hmm. which I'm glad I didn't run with, by the way, Yeah, which is why I'm not an insider. But you got sources. But I do have, yeah, like, I, well. I don't. Just, You're my yeah. source. You had the sense to not run with it. Like, yeah, I was insider like, move. yeah, that is yeah exactly, insider move, right? Yeah. But uh, so maybe he is. Of course, he's running with it today. But I'm, That's but, true. but I'm, but I'm, but I think that I think the deal yesterday was like they discussed a bunch of options. Like I, I, you know, I really do think that because Tanev, based on multiple reports, was part of the conversation. So send in your questions or comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Canucks pull off a big trade and they acquire Elias Lindholm from Calgary, a player that Jim Rutherford drafted many years ago. The draw again, makes a pass. Lindholm scores! 
633 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Hour one of this program is brought to you by Caffeine. I'm fired up. People have noticed in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. I can't help it. Did you have a really good sleep last night or no sleep at all? I I slept a little bit. Okay. I was just thinking about, I had like takes, <laughs> questions that I wanted to answer, audio that I wanted to play. I was listening to like podcasts at Calgary Radio to get Conroy wow. audio. I was all over it. It is, hey, look, I've been doing this for, I'm not old, kind of old. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know that I've seen plenty of trade deadlines come and go. Where the Canucks have had no excitement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The trade deadline is it's a it's for the fans. I know teams get to add players in their quest to win the Stanley Cup, but let's be real here. There's only one team at the end of this who can say we had a good trade deadline. It's the team that won the Stanley Cup, right? At the mo- in the moment though, in the moment, like this is super exciting. Do you think Jim Rutherford was just like Patrick? We need to make a trade. Patrick, go make a trade. Patrick, I, you know what? Make you know, a trade on that subject. You know what I love? I, in that Conroy audio that we played, Conroy picks up the phone and calls Patrick Alvine to congratulate him on his extension, and Alvine is like, "No time for niceties." <laughs> <laughs> I want Elias. We must make trades now. That is a Rutherford disciple because the the hallmarks of this thing. I mean, there are fingerprints all oh, yeah. over, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Early shopping, which is what Rutherford has done in a number of stops. You heard the audio from our good buddy Rick Dollywall coming back from break, making note of the fact that uh, it's another player they're bringing into the fold that they have great familiarity with because Jim Rutherford was the general manager in Carolina when Carolina drafted Elias Lindholm. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect of it as well. And, you know, I think the other big part of this is – they went big game hunting right away. You could make the argument that outside of Jay Gensel, or maybe even inside of Jay Gensel, there's got to be a better way to say that, <laughs> but um, Lindholm was the biggest uh, target out there. I think you would probably... Well, in terms of centers. Right. You're going to say you you weigh the value of a center versus a winger, mm-hmm. right? And, and not just any center. You're talking about a very versatile center that not too long ago was in the Selkie conversation with Patrice Bergeron, of all people. So I think that he's probably the 1 or 1A one target. And the Canucks went out and got him. And the Canucks, if you, again, listen From to— From a division rival. I know. Yeah. How, when's the last—have the Canucks ever made two trades with Calgary? In the span of, what, three months? Yeah. Never mind in a season. Mm-hmm. It's like they just keep calling up Calgary. It's like a couple of years ago when Calgary kept stealing all of Vancouver's players. Right. <laughs> Welcome back, Revenge. Now the Canucks are taking all their players. But there's a lot to be said here about... And we're coming for Tanev, too. Yeah, it doesn't stop here, right? Yeah. This train just keeps on going. Tanev's, like, been held hostage in Calgary for a I couple t- of years. I tweeted out, I'm like, just go get Hannafin now, too. Just get them all. <laughs> Markstrom's right? like, can I go back? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we got, moved on. We moved on. Be That'd be great. They acquire Markin and then they send him down to Abbotsford. They're like, just shore up the goaltending down there. Anyway, there's a lot of text that we want to get into in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket because you, the listener, have weighed in thoroughly, effectively, and repeatedly this morning. The Dunbar Lumber text message in basket is jammed. Keep sending them in. 650-650. Go. Uh, this text unsigned. It's interesting the the way the insiders reported on the TANF thing was to say that he would have to be part of a separate deal. 
That leads me to believe that the framework for that separate deal is in place, but the Canucks have to do something on their end first. Should we play a little Rick Dollywall? Let's play. Let's play. Dollywall uh, went on um, social media yesterday and posted a video. He was he was so excited, and yeah. Dollywall did a lot of good work. So many calls to Dan Milstein. He accidentally called Chris Tanev, I think. <laughs> Pocket dial them. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, here's Rick Dollywall on the Canucks busy day yesterday. The Canucks pull off a big trade and they acquire Elias Lindholm from Calgary, a player that Jim Rutherford drafted many years ago. This was the Canucks number one target by far, a two-way center that can shut down the other team's uh, top players, a two-positional player. Will the Canucks extend Lindholm? They will surely try, but it won't be easy. The preference is to re-sign him, but this is a player that will uh, demand seven to eight years on the open market on July the 1st. Chris Tanev was a part of these trade talks, but the belief was the Flames are asking for a first-round draft pick for Tanev. That's when talks broke down for Tanev in Vancouver. The Canucks will still try on Tanev, uh, but they, if they don't get him in a trade, they can always get him on July 1st. And the immense um, respect for Tanev in the Canucks organization is incredible from top to bottom. Are the Canucks done? Of course not. No urgency right now, but they will continue to look to add to the NHL's top team. Canucks pulled off this deal without giving up LeCaramacchi, Willander, any guys in Abbotsford, and that was a big plus for them. The first round pick, many think this year's NHL draft will drop off around 15, 16, 17 picks, and the Canucks are looking to pick in the 20s. Donnie and Dolly tomorrow, Dan Milstein will be on uh, his uh, client, Andre Kuzmenko, is the player going to Calgary the other way in this trade. We probably should have cut that last part. Probably. Well, Dolly let us use the audio, so That's whatever. Yeah. Um, train in the Ridge texts in uh, about the, the the blue line. And he says they already added Cole, Susie, Hronik, and Zadorov. How much of, more of an upgrade do they need? Um, I think they just really like Tanev. Yeah, and not only do they like the player, you hear Dolly while talking about the immense respect they have for him in the organization, and that's like that's the players a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jim Rutherford. Yeah. They don't. They don't really know Chris Tanev, and I'm Rick, sure they respect him. I'm but, sure that yeah, they, they respect him, but they don't know him on a day to day basis. You know, Quinn Hughes. You know, he he, he loves Chris Tanev. Yeah. You know, so I I think that's. That's part of it. Um, there's also the lefty-righty thing that we've been through. You know, Rick Tockett likes his lefty-righty combinations. And right now, uh, they got four lefties and two righties that are playing regular, if everyone's healthy, right? Susie's hurt right now. Sure. So Juleson's playing, so they're lefty-righty right now. But, um, you know, when you say how much more of an upgrade do they need, I know what you mean. It's not dire on the back end. It's not dire. And we talked about this in, in the first segment of the show. The glaring need they needed was another top six forward, and they got that because Kuzmenko just wasn't working out, and they got a much more versatile, complete hockey player in Lindholm. Well, you know what? Let's use that text as a jumping-off point to discuss expectations because I think expectations now is a two-pronged conversation. One 
everyone's asking, what can we expect over? I mean, God, there's still another month until the trade deadline. Yeah. What can we expect in terms of more acquisitions? Should we expect more in terms of trades? You know, someone just texted in unsigned, so it must be from Gary to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Is there another team with more trades in a season than Vancouver this year? No. Vancouver has now completed, if you go all the way back to September 19th when this whole thing started with the DeSmith for Tanner Pearson and a third-round pick trade, the Canucks have now made seven trades this season, and we are at basically the 45-50 game mark. Like, it is remarkable the amount of work that they've done. So if we're talking about expectations – in the short term, I think expectations have been raised, not only because of the amount of work that the Canucks have done on the trade front, but also because of the TANF thing. You really get the feeling that Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have a lot of different irons in a lot of different fires. are looking to not just make one upgrade, but to make multiple upgrades. And that leads into a second conversation about what are the expectations now moving further down the road into the playoffs, like how heightened are people's expectations about this team? All of this is a conversation worth having. Well, I don't, you know, expectations. What do you expect? I don't expect a Stanley Cup, but a first-round loss would sure suck. They're terrible now. Right? Now now the expectations have really changed. Like, they have officially changed. Remember we go into this off, when we went into this regular season, we were like, ooh, I hope they can make the playoffs. Right now, it's I hope they can do something in the playoffs. Now, part of that staying alive in the playoffs is once you win one round, you're like, there's only seven other teams. Yeah, like, that's the big like, one. We're when you ha- when you it, right when you like, hack the field in half. Yeah, it gets a lot more real. Yeah, it does. Right, and there's that expectation, and there's value in just being like <laughs> dreaming about it realistically dreaming about it and being in the mix for it, you know, it happened to a certain extent in in the bubble, right? They got relatively close. Mm -hmm. And you could actually legitimately ask the question, could they they do this? Could this be the year? If they go out with a first-round loss, then you're kind of like, oh, boy, right? Then it all, all, it's almost like... (laughs) God, I, I can't even. I, I don't even have a comparison at, at the ready for it. But it would be really disappointing. And then all of a sudden, the questions start: like, what's gonna, what's PD gonna do if he hasn't already signed there? Um, do you have to re-sign Lindholm if PD doesn't stay? And we might as well touch on that right now. Um, again, I've been told that the Canucks are fine if Lindholm is a rental. What you don't want to do, and this isn't me bringing it up. A lot of people have texted it in. Is Lindholm insurance in case PD doesn't resign? I would hope that the Canucks don't look at it as that simplistic because we've seen what happens in Calgary when you just go, we got to get someone, we got to get someone, we got to make sure that we stay competitive. Uh, uh, okay, Huberto, Kadri, yours are your you you replace uh, Kachuk and Gaudreau, and we're good to go. Well, no, you have to think about these moves separately because how many people in Calgary would undo that Huberto re-signing today? A hundred percent of them. Right, I, you know, it's funny. even Huberto would it's be funny. like, I, I will give all the money back. This is a nightmare. Yeah, it's funny though because that dynamic that you're talking about, I actually think that's why this might even be a savvier and smarter trade than at first blush. Because what do we always talk about when we talk about a good management group? It's that you have 
pivots on your plan. Mm-hmm. You have to have a plan A, B, C, and D, right? In case things, you know, somehow don't work out your way. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in the history of the Vancouver Canucks, 50-plus years, things haven't always worked out great. Sometimes they've gone awry. Pear-shaped, if you will. And it's nice to have an alternate option, a secondary, a tertiary option, as opposed to throwing your hands up in the air and being like, damn, well, we kind of got screwed. I mean, it's funny because Colorado, Lindholm came from Carolina and one of the things that you and I have often admired about the Carolina Hurricanes franchise is that they always seem to have things in reserve, be it cap space, be it draft picks, be it just things that you have in a little manila envelope off to the side or in a desk somewhere where in case something doesn't go your way, you have a pivot point or, God forbid, multiple pivot points. So with Lindholm. I think that getting him in the door with 30-plus regular season games still on the docket gives you a way longer look. Yep. And gives you, to be perfectly honest, gives you a more realistic look than picking up a guy on March 8th and being like, go. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't have your stuff. You're living out of a hotel. Or in the case of Huberto, not seeing him at all and giving him a massive And that's extension. a great point. Right, you, know? you gave, They jumped into bed with Huberto. <laughs> They're like, uh, swiped right. You know, we're not even going out for a date. We're just going straight to the sack, and we're going to see what happens. And I think this is a much more, <laughs> this is a much more pragmatic way of going about it. Let's let's call it what it is here. There's a very decent chance, just because of the dynamics of hockey, that it doesn't click. Maybe it's just not a great fit. Maybe the fixer was a fixer everywhere else other than Vancouver. Maybe I, maybe he's on the downside. Maybe or maybe he wants to go to free agency. Whatever the case, you are giving yourself a longer look mm-hmm. at it and you're giving yourself a pivot point that if things go south with Elias Pettersson, yes, you do have option A to potentially try and sign Lindholm. Now, is it a great solution? No, but here's the thing. It's a solution in what should be a line of them in case things don't go your way. Um, I want to read a couple other texts. This one has been sent in by a few people, uh, unsigned. Cannot understate the other part of the trade, $5.5 million in cap space next year to help sign Petey. Yeah, the, 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 the way I see it is I didn't see Kuzmenko as he was going to be super hard to move. Like, the cap is going up. He's a guy that did have 39 goals. He would only have a year left on his deal this offseason. I wasn't all that worried about being able to move him, but yeah, sure, like, you do have that. Now, is it to help sign Petey? I think they already have the space to sign Petey. I'm sure they've already set it aside. Now, they also have to sign Philip Hronik. Um you know, I, I, I wasn't all that concerned about the cap space to sign Petey because I think they were always going to find it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cap space is always good. But, again, that wasn't something that, that, that worried me too much. So I don't know if it worried you at all. Um, Tambo and East Van, I know Petey might be a Selkie finalist this season, but based on Tockett's comments about him needing to skate more, what if Tockett sees him more as a winger? I can see Tockett putting Lindholm, a recent Selkie finalist himself, as the anchor of that line, especially for important faceoffs and for the obvious defensive responsibilities of a center. Because what really good defensively responsible centers do is skate more. Yeah, the position of center, you, you have to cover a lot more ice. Now, a winger might need to 
sprint more on the forecheck, like skate really fast on the mm-hmm. forecheck, and that's you know, things that held Kuzmenko back in Tockett's system. Well, I think it was like two things. First of all, a willingness to skate fast on the forecheck, but also an ability, you know? Mm-hmm. He wasn't a super fast straight line skater but to that text i I think i think it's a great text because yeah yeah, there is a lot more versatility in the lineup i mean you you never know how things go there could be an injury and all of a sudden you got to go pd miller and lindholm down the middle right like you, you can you can do all sorts of things now any of these guys could be kicked to the wing if needed you can kick jt miller to the wing if you want and as far as face-offs, if one guy's better at face-offs, but you still want him at wing, then you just switch off. It's not it's not that big a deal that this guy takes the face-off and then you switch back to the responsibilities. Uh, Richard in Richmond, Richard Richmond, uh, texts into the Dickie Dun- Richmond. Dickie Rich texts into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. He wants to know, are you at all worried that too many changes, even if they are quote-unquote upgrades on paper, could mess with the mojo the Canucks clearly have right now. Here's why I'm not worried about it, Dickie Rich. Um, One, I have a lot of faith in the pro scouting department of the Vancouver Canucks finding very good fits for the active roster. And it's funny that you mention this because I remember back when we were working uh, for for Comcast Spectacor and NBC, uh, one of the trade deadlines was when Kevin Shattenkirk out of St. Louis was the big fish. This mm. is when Kevin Shattenkirk was probably the elite point-producing defenseman. And St. Louis was kind of in and out of the playoff picture, but they decided to make the move, and they sent them to the Washington Capitals. And in the aftermath, it was a disaster trade for Washington because he never fit. It almost like it was the idea of Kevin Shattenkirk was far more enticing and attractive than the actual execution because he just didn't fit. They had guys that did his sort of thing. John Carlson was a point-producing defenseman on the blue line. Yeah, All the stuff that Carlson was doing already, Shattenkirk was like, well, that's the stuff that I do. I need the minutes to do those sorts yeah. of things. And yet people keep making that mistake with Eric Carlson. Right. And so, it, so you've seen it. Yeah, history repeating itself. What I like about this, in particular with Lindholm, is that... He's a versatile enough guy that he can go into a situation, and as Mike Kelly put in that clip that we played earlier from NHL Network, he can be a fixer. He can play with a lot of different guys. He can propel a line, and I don't think that he will be affected by, you know, riding shotgun to maybe a superior offensive player, of which the Vancouver Canucks have a couple of. I like this fit a lot. Now, if it's two or three guys, and they keep adding and they keep adding, sure, Dickie Rich, you can say, okay, Maybe there's some guys on the active roster that may have their noses out of joint because they're like, hey, wait a minute. I've been a contributing member of one of the best teams in the NHL. I've done my job. I've earned my ice time. I've earned my reps. And now I'm getting bumped down the lineup. But the big thing here will be yet another test of the coaching staff. This is another challenge for Tockett, who has seen this over his playing career, by the way. He's seen guys come in mm. and force the dynamic to change and force the ice time and the shift length and all that stuff to change. It's just another challenge for a guy that's you know met every challenge as a coach so far. I, I would also like to throw this out there. Um, this only works if Lindholm ups his game. Right. There's a, We've had a bunch of people text in, and some of them have been... Canucks fans living in Calgary that have been watching Lindholm this season and watching him fairly closely since the trade talk picked up. 
And basically what they're saying is like, this guy has not been playing well, right? And he did go 15 games in a row prior to scoring an overtime winner against Chicago, or not an overtime, the only goal in the Chicago win a couple yeah. days ago. He went 15 straight games without scoring a goal. So he does have to up his game, and part of the of you know the optimism or the hope in Vancouver is that he's going to be rejuvenated, playing with better players, playing for a team with legit hopes. Um, I think the feeling in Calgary was always that, you know, this thing's going to get torn down. You know, it's not working. There's a lot of pending UFAs. You know, Daryl Sutter was gone and the players were happy about that. But I don't know if Huska's really working out as a head coach. I don't know if he's made much of an impact mm -hmm. there in Calgary. So they probably felt as a group that they're all just waiting for the other shoe to fall or the other shoe to drop. Yeah. So... But listen, I'm I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that Lindholm is going to return to form. Well, Part of this is going to be on him to come into a situation when there's going to be a lot of pressure on him and he's going to get the opportunity to play with better players. So show the team, show his new teammates, show the city, show the fans, show management that he was worth all this hype. You want to talk about going from the penthouse to the outhouse in Calgary, though? I mean, it's like two years ago. Lindholm is centering two 40-goal scorers in Goudreau and Kachuk, and they've got the best offensive line in hockey. And then fast forward to this season, and all due respect to these guys, but he's lugging around Igor Sharangovich and Andrew Mangiapane. That's not lugging around. Sharangovich is a good young player. Mangiapane yeah, is a good player. Sharangovich is fine. I think Sharangovich and his shooting percentage and the production that he has this year is actually over what he might end up being. When they acquire him, they're like, he could be like a middle six forward for us. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. anyone envisioned him being a top no, but he's line not, winger. He's not lugging him around. I don't, I don't agree with you know the way what? you put that. I, I would put it not unlike what Pedersen had to deal with when he had Mikheyev and Kuzmenko this year. Mm -hmm. I think there are some similarities look there. Look at the numbers Pedersen's put the, up. The two Eliases. Yeah, but and, look at the numbers that Pedersen has put up despite all that. Yeah, right? I, I, I think there's similarities there. I don't think it's a per, it's completely congruent. At any rate, I think my point is like fair, don't you think? Like he's got to up his game. Oh yeah, this is a challenge for him. He must know it too. Yeah, he's going into a potential UFA year. I mean, he's in a UFA year. He's going into the yeah, July one with the chance to really until, catch uh, in. And up until this point, he was kind of blowing it. Right, like that's a problem. I mean, you know, and then the All Star game thing. You know, it's not like you can put that feather in your cap when you're showing up to the All Star game with nine goals in your pocket. Like, it's been a down year for him. I would also uh, allude to what you were talking about earlier. He was probably a little mentally checked out. Like, it's hard when both of your running mates on the best scoring line in hockey mm -hmm. split town, and you're stuck there with Igor Sharangovich. But, no, I, I, get what, I get what you're saying. The other thing I want to mention here, too, um, and, and not to give too much credit to the management group, but I do think they deserve a ton of credit. Um, moving on from the mistake that was the Kuzmenko extension, they have a history of this, Rutherford and Alvin. Of, they identify when... You know, we made a mistake that didn't go right, mm -hmm. right? I think that was the Curtis Lazar signing. They realized that that wasn't going to work out, and they moved on from him. And they've done it in a couple other instances as well, right? Beauvillier was never going to be long for Vancouver, and they knew that that was a guy that they could move. So good on them for for doing this. And furthermore, trusting the coaching staff to not try and do, like, the let's put this square peg in a round hole and try and make Kuzmenko work. Yeah. Like, there was a certain point this season where everyone understood that Kuzmenko and Tockett weren't going to jive. Yeah, and that could have potentially been 
a sticking point. Anyway, you have a uh, Clayton read. I do. So uh, on top of everything else that's going on, uh, there's big news in the NFL. The Seahawks got a head coach we haven't even mentioned yet, and the Super Bowl's coming up. You know that thing? The Super Bowl. Well, not related to that in any way, shape, or form, the Clayton Public House is having a big football party. On Sunday, February 11th, uh, you can reserve your spot now. It's hosted by Sportsnet 650. Uh, for more, visit theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. Coming up on the other side of the break, Patrick Burke from the NHL to talk about this year's skills competition at the All-Star Game. You're, spe- you're uh, listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.